Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. So many headlines across the NFL every time we have John McClain on. We welcome you in. Hour number two is here, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Entire crew, fantastic staff making it happen across the OutKick network. Uh, David Reed is the chairman of the board for radio as well. If you're listening on radio, we say hello to you in the Upper Cumberland on Sports Radio 104.7. Hello in Alabama, Fox Sports Shoals, Huntsville, Alabama, Florence, Alabama, Muscle Shoals, also Somo Sports Radio in Missouri. Hello, Joplin. You can follow us on Twitter and interact with us in the YouTube chat at Outkick360. We say hello to John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, Cron.com. TexasSportsNation.com. He joins us and has uh, for years and years, over a decade, with this show. And for that, we are very thankful. You can follow John on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, how are you? There's always headlines galore, and that same goes for today. I'm just glad to get the Deshaun Watson saga over. 14 and a half months. Now he's the Browns' problem. They got a great quarterback. We know they've Got a lot of legal issues to resolve, but after it being a daily topic of conversation during that 14 and a half month period, there's a lot of people here going. And I know you're, you're one of them, John, I'd like to get your take on this because you know, we we all know what the Browns gave up to Houston in exchange for Watson, aside from the contract, which we can hit on in a moment. Um, to your knowledge, was that the offer that every team had to come with in order to get approved by Houston? Like, how did this go down, and why did the Browns end up giving up so much? Would the other teams have given the same price? Well, first of all, there was a lot of bad reporting before this was over. There was no deal where every team had to get their offer approved by Nick Casario to talk to Watson's people. No, he had the parameters of three first-round picks, which they'd had going back to last year when he almost went to Miami for three ones, a three and a five last year. And this year he was open to get three ones, two twos and a player. And if the team had offered that and he wanted to do it, Watson could kill it because of his no trade clause. Nick Casario had no control over it. Once Watson said, here's where I want to go. He had to work out the package beyond the first round picks. And if indeed, uh, he didn't want to trade, say Cleveland had lowballed him, and the Browns didn't, but say they had. Say Carolina had offered five ones and five starters, can't do it if Watson doesn't want to go there. So the only alternative would have been say, hey, Deshaun, you can sit on your butt for a second consecutive season and be happy to be inactive for every game, and we'll pay you $35 million this year like we paid you $10.54 million last year for owners whose franchises are worth multiple billions, 35 million is tip money to an owner and call his bluff. But that wouldn't have been in 
the Texans' favor because if he just sat out another season, I'm guessing the draft choices wouldn't have been as plentiful. And also, what they got for him this year can be used in phase two of their rebuilding program. Why delay? As it was, they got six draft choices over the next three years, including three first-round picks under the circumstances of, of Nick Casario being handcuffed with one hand behind his back. I think it's a pretty good haul. We know the league, John, has given absolutely no indication about what kind of suspension may be forthcoming. Do you think it has any idea? Do you think it waits on what kind of civil case developments are forthcoming? Do you think those developments happen before training camp arrives in the regular season? What's going to happen to Cleveland in terms of being able to play Deshaun Moore? Well, nobody's got a clue about those civil cases. Watson would not even think about settling last year. Somebody convinced him it was an admission of guilt if he settled, so he wouldn't hear of it. But then on the Thursday before the Tuesday trading deadline on November 2nd, when they had the deal worked out with Miami, that was the first time he thought, oh, man, we got a deal. I'm going to get to go where I want to go. And then Stephen Ross, the owner, popped up and told Chris Greer's GM, I want you to get those 22 civil cases settled before we make that deal. So Watson finally approved it that they could not get all 22 settled. So the the uh, plaintiffs know that his income's gone up from 10.54 million base salary to 230 million guaranteed. So whatever they were asking last time, I'm sure is going to go up. And remember, he's innocent until proven guilty. But in those 22 lawsuits, uh, there are some really gruesome accusations. And I've read those lawsuits three times, and I'm assuming that the Cleveland people read those lawsuits, but it wasn't an impediment to getting the deal done. So I think the best way for him to play and figure out what his his, suspension is going to be would be to settle them. If you wait to go to court, there could be 22 court cases. So I think it's really inevitable that's what he's going to have to do. Then Roger Goodell would make his ruling. If you look back at what he did with, some of the other other suits, uh, and they were appealed and then reduced. I think could see him saying half a year down to six, six down to four. Uh, but the Browns better have a good backup quarterback, and it's of course not going to be Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's going to be Jacoby Brissett, uh, per reports. And John, it, it, if he gets suspended, he's not going to be out much money on the suspension, maybe on the settlement. But the Browns not only would have read those suits. On top of it, they gave him a base salary of a million dollars so that if he is suspended, he's only going to be out of a small portion of his overall grand guaranteed total sum that he's going to get over the duration of this contract. Now, tell us what you know about how he removed Cleveland from consideration and then had the Browns back in. What what did they do to get back into the mix? Guys, it's always about the money. Now, He eliminated Cleveland first. It wasn't a surprise. He's been to Cleveland once in his life, November 15th, 2020. The weather hadn't even gotten cold at that point, but there was so much wind, rain, hail, and lightning, they had to evacuate the stadium. He averaged 3.2 yards per attempt. Texans scored one touchdown, got beat by three. That was his only time in Cleveland. I never thought that he would go back to Cleveland 
but I never thought they're going to give him 230 million reasons that he should come back. So they were out of it. And then Carolina wouldn't guarantee the last two years. Carolina's out of it. And so it came down New Orleans, Atlanta. Falcons were putting the hard sell on him. He's got a place there. He's from Gainesville. His good buddy and longtime quarterback guru Quincy Avery is there. Watson's connected to the rap music scene there. Family, friends, people were reaching out to recruit him, and people thought he was going to Atlanta. But they had a little roadblock for a while. That was Matt Ryan and his contract and that bonus that was coming. So the, the there was a story in The Athletic that said um, that David Mulgetta, the agent, was talking to Andrew Berry, the GM, about another player. And then they started talking about Watson again. And that's when Cleveland, like, okay, with Baker complaining that he wants out, he went to ESPN, he wanted out, and he's a pain in the butt anyway. So they knew that was going to be a problem. So they're thinking, okay, what can we do to get back in this? Because he liked their talent. You know, there's no bones about that. And of the four, they do have the best talent. So then they thought, how do you get, how do you get to a guy's heart? You do it through his wallet. So they upped that guarantee to 230. The others, none of the others would do it. And they got him. And I think they're getting a lot of criticism for this contract. Every big new quarterback contract gets criticism. It's interesting. Watson didn't play here, but he got a 27 million signing bonus on his extension without playing last season. So that's how they got back in it with the money. And I know when I heard Cleveland, Adam Schefter broke that story. I was in shock. John McClain with us. So, John, it was the final two years guaranteed that Carolina would not give that ultimately Cleveland learned they could? That was the, that was the reports. They just wouldn't do it. And David Tepper, their owner, who's a multi-billionaire, and he'd been pursuing Watson since way back last year when Watson first said that he wanted to be traded. They were one of the eight teams that contacted Nick Casario and then backed away when the lawsuit started piling up. But he has been hot to try for Watson for a long time, and yet he wouldn't give that kind of contract. I know Chad and Paul will get into Matt Ryan in just a moment, but what does it say that Arthur Blank was willing to to get rid of Matt Ryan, kept him in the loop, but was willing to take on and, and pay a considerable amount, Not maybe not what Cleveland ended up doing, but to give some type of guarantee to Deshaun Watson, to bring him in with all the, the baggage that comes with it, the, the, the opposite of Matt Ryan, let's put it that way, uh, on and off the field. Um, your, your take on the message that the Falcons, that the Panthers, that the Saints, and others, I mean, they're all in on this too. They feel like they missed out on an opportunity to get a, a game-changing and a franchise-changing quarterback. Indianapolis wanted to be in on it. Sure. Serio said, you've got to be kidding me, right? And that was the extent of that conversation. And the thing about Blank and Carolina and New Orleans, if they'd have given up three ones in the next three years, a four this year, a three next year, a four the year after, Atlanta doesn't have any wide receivers. They don't have any running backs. They got Kyle Pitts. So it would have been hard for them to rebuild. But as we saw last year, when um, in two years ago in 2020, when Watson lost all his receivers, he still had a great year and made whoever they threw out there a better player. And that's what great quarterbacks do. And so 
Atlanta was going to do it. And, I, and people said, well, New Orleans has the best team. You know, Sean Payton's not there anymore. Dennis Allen was 4-12, 4-12, and 3-13 and as a head coach. So there's no guarantee the Saints are going to be good. Cap issues, older players, they're losing some of those players. Cleveland by far had the best roster. And I think for 230 mil, you can put up with a lot of wind, rain, lightning, hail, snow, and slush. John, final thing on Watson for me, and then coming up, we'll dive into Ryan and a bunch of other quarterback topics. Three first-round picks plus two extra picks moving forward. Is Watson worth that? I mean, he's worth it. That's what they gave up for him. But you you get what I'm saying here. Cleveland's not going to have a first-rounder and a cheap starter for three consecutive seasons now. It's three extra picks. They got an extra four thrown into it, which is people are wondering, okay, it was Watson and a a five in 2024. Now it's Watson and a six for 2024. And, oh, the Browns threw in another four this year. People are like, well, how in the world did that happen? And then there's some people are saying, well, maybe after he was ruled out of Cleveland, the Browns didn't call and said, hey, can we talk to him again? And they did. But right now, that's just speculation. So they have six draft choices, and they're not going to hit on all those, of course, but it depends on what they do with it. Here's the deal. And so in the Browns have so much young talent. They were bad for so long and they did a good job for the most part stockpiling those high picks as opposed to say Jacksonville, Detroit, and the Jets who didn't. So at some point, the legal issues are going to be behind Watson. The suspension will be over and then they'll have him for another 10 to 12 years and they won't have to worry about the quarterback. Now, one thing that they have to make sure he does they don't want a repeat of this. You know, I'm sure they're telling him, if you want massages, you use the ones employed by our team or recommended by our team. We don't want you going on Instagram and and get and bringing in 42 new ones. When we come back, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle will tell us what he thinks about the state of the Indianapolis Colts and whether they close the gap at all on the Tennessee Titans subbing Matt Ryan for Carson Wentz at quarterback. There, there is a gift to, if you fall, the guys get tripped up all, all the time, but there's a gift to being able to fall forward even when you fall. And I feel like the Colts have just done that with all this, despite the massive failure that they admitted with Carson Wentz. We'll get John's take on that. PK leads things off on the questions on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We continue with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. And Paul's going to dive right in to Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts. Time to talk AFC South and the future of the division. And Paul, I said before the break, there are some who have the ability who fail. When they trip up, they fall forward. And I feel like the management in Indy certainly did it this week. I do, too. The sunken costs of Carson Wentz aside, it certainly seems like to us, John, that 
that Matt Ryan puts them in a better spot than Carson Wentz did, uh, and they never could have foreseen that this is the guy they would have wound up with um, when when they made the Wentz move. But from a leadership uh, perspective, from a resume perspective, they're better. Uh, don't you agree? It's a huge upgrade from that perspective. But here's something to consider. Was Matt Ryan's drop-off last year because he's gotten older? because he's been hit too much or was because he didn't have any receivers beyond rookie Kyle Pitts. And uh, he had 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a 90 rating. You know, that was a very mediocre season, especially for him. He should feel rejuvenated. Now, he's not loaded with talented receivers and tight ends, but he's got a great running game led by Jonathan Taylor. So maybe – They'll bounce back and compete with the Titans for the division title. But something that bothers me, everybody seems to want to blame that choke job in Jacksonville in the last game on Carson Wentz. There was a lot of players on the both sides of the ball that blew that game. It should have been ashamed of that performance. But one guy seemed to get all the blame because he was not a real popular guy, doesn't seem to be a real respected guy for Matt Ryan is just the opposite. And as I'm writing a column for Sunday about how every day Lovey Smith's first uh, season with the Texans gets more difficult, playing against the Colts with Matt Ryan twice, uh, playing against Deshaun Watson and the Browns in Houston, playing against the AFC West. And as I tell people, that's not a bad thing because it'll just help the Texans get another high draft choice in 2023. John, it's uh, going back to your, your comment on and question about Matt Ryan, and I think it's warranted when you look at the numbers, but, man, it's hard to ignore the fact that he now has a run game behind him. I mean, their leading rusher in Atlanta last year was Cordero Patterson, who had a little over 600 yards rushing, and he now has Jonathan Taylor, where if they go full in on, at one point, many thought the league MVP in November of last year, uh, a, a guy who rushed for 1,800 yards – I don't know how Matt Ryan can't look around and think, man, at 37, I may be playing like I'm 34. Calvin Ridley was out with uh, mental health issues, taking care of himself, and Russell Gage was their best receiver. He just signed with Tampa. That's why it would have been so difficult for the Falcons in these next three years to rebuild around Deshaun Watson when they've been give, when they would have to give up premium draft choices and the truth is you know arthur smith if you look at his kind of quarterback that he was most successful with ryan Tannehill had a great running back and used play action like crazy so the falcons with marcus mariota at least he's more mobile but i would imagine the falcons got to put a priority on finding a good running game to make that play action work somewhere close to the way it worked in tennessee John, what does this do for Frank Reich and Chris Ballard now that they have Matt Ryan? Because they, they tried the veteran route with Phillip Rivers, and they knew that was going to be a short-term stint, even if he stayed for two years instead of one, uh, or tried to run it back for a, you know, an extra season. But now that they've got Ryan, they've, they've fallen out of Carson Wentz into this veteran who, former league MVP, what does it do for a, a, a GM and a coach who certainly felt you know, the seat getting a little warm, if not hot, towards the end of the year. Based 
based on what Jim Irsay put out after that Jacksonville game, their seats are going to be so hot they can't sit. Now, Frank Reichs, this will be his fifth year. He's won one playoff game in 2018. Chris Ballard is considered one of the best personnel guys in the league. You know, they hang on to a lot of their cap money. They prefer to reward their players instead of giving big bucks to other teams' players. And I think that's a good philosophy. They got a great offensive line, had injuries last year. And no telling how good Jonathan Taylor would have been if all those linemen had been healthy. Now they got a pretty good defense too, but now they seem to have a quarterback who won't have a lot of pressure to throw for four or 5,000 yards when you can run the ball like that. But Ryan better at least get them wild card berth. David Newton on the Panthers uh, for ESPN says Carolina's not interested in Baker Mayfield. Where do you think he's going to wind up, and what do you think uh, his second act might look like? You notice that through all this ordeal with Mayfield, none of his teammates that I've seen or heard of have come out to say anything about him on social media, like, we're behind you, babe, babe, don't go, anything. If I'm him, I want to go to Seattle. Wide receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, tight end Noah Fant, just acquired from Denver, number one pick in 2019. They re-signed Rashard Penny, who averaged 132 yards a game over the last five games. That is a pretty darn good offense when it comes to skill positions. That's where he should want to go. John, I want to go back to Matt Ryan of the Colts just for a second. If you would, can you rank the quarterbacks in the AFC in the AFC South top to bottom right now? Between Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, Davis Mills, how would you rank those one through four? Not for long term, for 2022 purposes, how would you rank those four quarterbacks? Well, first of all, people are going to mention, remember Ryan Tannehill's last game, and that's not fair. I'd put Tannehill first based on what he did last season, despite all those injuries and Derrick Henry being out half the season, assuming everybody's coming back healthy. I would put him one and Ryan two because Matt Ryan didn't have a good season. Could have been because of the talent. And then Trevor Lawrence didn't have as good a year as Davis Mills. Down the stretch over the last five games, Davis Mills was the best rookie quarterback in the NFL, including Mac Jones. And over the season, he was the second best. But would anybody take him over Trevor Lawrence? Of course they wouldn't. So I'd put Trevor Lawrence third, Davis Mills fourth. John McClain with us. If you are Baker Mayfield, you wanted to go to Indy. We know that's not working. Where do you go next? Where are you hoping to Seattle. land? Seattle. Without a question, he should want to go to Seattle. Who's he going to compete with? Drew Locke? Pete Carroll's not fooling anybody, acting like they're happy with Drew Locke. Pete Carroll at 71 this year. He's not going to want to rebuild around Drew Locke. I think that Baker Mayfield would be a good fit there. He's kind of got that Legion of Boom attitude. Now the Legion of Boom's gone, but they like to run the ball a lot, even though they have really talented wide receivers, but they're set at wide out, tight end, and running back. What better combination could you have for a new quarterback? I'd take him on. If I had to pay some of his salary, I would do that too, and I would ask for conditional draft choice. And Paul, it's a it's an offense that's intriguing to me because while it's that same it's a version of that Kubiak Shanahan offense in Seattle, and while we 
saw that with Stefanski and how he didn't work this year. In 2020, he put up great numbers. And he's got Lockett and Metcalf, too. I mean, you've yeah. you got to be happy throwing to those guys. Speaking of another Seattle guy uh, who was thrown out, Bobby Wagner, I understand that position not being particularly active in free agency. Are you surprised he hasn't found a landing spot yet? Of all those middle linebacker types that are out there, you know, they gotta they got to save money somewhere. Now, Wagner, maybe he's got – maybe when they look at the tape, from last year, he's not as good as he used to be, and he was great. I'm assuming at some point Paul will be voting on him for the Hall of Fame. But, yes, I am very surprised. But he's part of that second wave. They never did as much as the first wave. And he'll sign with somebody. And I'm guessing it's going to be a team that has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. If I was him, I'd, go, I'd stay in the NFC. We were talking about the, the uh, prospect quarterbacks there have been a lot of drafts, John, where it seemed like but people weren't real high on them, but ultimately they filter into the top ten. That does not seem to be the case with this group, uh, universally hailed as not particularly good and don't seem to be rising. There's not much buzz outside of Pittsburgh. We heard at the Combine, Pittsburgh likes Malik Willis. Pittsburgh drafting, what, at 21 Chad said he's read that the Lions at 32, 32 yep. like who? Matt Corral. Like Matt Corral. That's not the kind of quarterback quarterback. Juicy little nuggets that we want, John, of quarterbacks in the like draft. Them. We're finally getting them. You're not sensing any, any trending up of these quarterbacks, are you? No, but I'll tell you what, knowing how badly the Panthers wanted Deshaun Watson and they've got Sam Darnold, who bombed out, I wouldn't be surprised if they did not reach and take a quarterback at six or trade back a little bit. All it takes is falling in love with one guy. Now, this is not as bad as the, I think it was 2013 when E.J. Manuel from Florida State was the only quarterback taken in the first round, and he was terrible. And maybe all these guys will be terrible too, but if you need one down in the second, bottom of the first round, you know, maybe that's where you do it. But somebody that's desperate is going to reach. The Texans, they won't come out and totally endorse Davis Mills, even though I know he's going to be the quarterback. And I believe it's because they want people to think there's a chance they might use that third pick or 13th pick they got from Cleveland, a quarterback, hoping somebody might go, oh, my goodness, I'm worried about the Texans taking him. Here's a pick to swap places. But uh, it, it, it's interesting. Not interesting about because they're good, who's going to take them high, but interesting because they're mediocre prospects and who's going to take them in the first round. And you can make a case for all of them. All the experts keep saying Malik Willis has the biggest upside. Well, that's fine if you can get him to that upside. You look at the quality of the competition, but you know if you're talking about taking a guy because He's got more upside than a mediocre class. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Panthers at six, Falcons at eight. Feels rich. It feels like they get both back out and still wind up getting their guy, maybe. Well, you guys know Arthur Smith because you covered him all those years. He's an offensive uh, coach. He's not going to want to go without a quarterback. And Marcus Mariota is strictly stopgap. So maybe Arthur Smith, after scouting these guys, he tells Fontenot, his GM, and Rich McKay, his president, Arthur Blank, the owner, I think this guy 
can be really good. Maybe it's Malik Willis working behind Marcus for a year or maybe two years max, but I really want him. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Falcons weren't the first team to take a quarterback. Yeah, and John, I'm with you because I, I think there there is a narrative that that Atlanta just oh they'll wait they'll wait a year on the quarterback. And I, I'm here to tell you, if they wanted to wait a year, they're taking a forty million dollar dead money cap hit by trading away Matt Ryan. Just keep him on your roster for another year if you're going to wait a year. I don't. They they were in week sixteen. They were in playoff contention, believe it or not, as bad as that roster was. And the NFC's getting worse. Yeah, and I, I, there is, I, I, I'm here to tell you, there is no way in hell that Arthur Smith is banking on next year, like, ne- like 2023's draft. That's not how this guy is geared. And he's not going into a season with Marcus Mariota and Josh Rosen as his backup. That's just not happening. That's not a plan that he sits behind the scenes and goes, you know what, yeah, we'll trade Matt Ryan. I'll endorse this because, yeah, we're going to move forward with Marcus and we'll tank and get a great great draft pick moving forward. He's just not wired that way. I, I think they're drafting a quarterback. I'll be – you can play this back whenever the first round's over. I think they're taking a quarterback. Otherwise, I don't know why you move Matt Ryan now. It didn't make sense uh, to, to take the dead money cap hit the way they did. If you're going to be bad and you need a quarterback next year, you'd be better be one of the two worst teams because you got uh, Stroud and Young coming out, and they could be the first two picks. Chad can uh, bounce off of this as well. By the way, you mentioned Stroud. C.J. Stroud threw at Ohio State's Pro Day today. So you're getting a glimpse with scouts for next year's draft. Smart. Isn't that smart of him and his people to do that? Yes. Do that more often. John, did you have a chance to read the athletic story about Urban Meyer in his tenure? Oh, yeah, I love reading about Urban Meyer, all those stories about him behind the scenes. And you wonder how in the world did he win national championships with two different college teams and turnaround programs because he just looked like such a a nimrod. Well, and John, look, I am rarely surprised by anything this day and age, but the stupidity of some of the things with Urban Meyer, and, and you're right, I mean, he took head coaching jobs throughout college and continued to go up the ladder and succeeded everywhere uh, that he was. It's amazing. I mean, you knew about Urban Meyer's personality and different things around him, but some of this stuff I'm just thinking, this just seems really dumb for a guy that's had this much success. You know, it's not a personality thing. It's more, how can someone this stupid have had this much success and won this many football games when I see stories like this? That lack of all those stories in there, there were some that were kind of sickening. But the one that I liked the most is when he was watching tape of the Rams defense and he looked at that defensive tackle and said, that guy's pretty good. Who is he? And he's talking about Aaron Donald. Yeah, I'm hoping that was sarcasm. Like, I I have to believe. Yeah, the quote was like, oh, who's this 99 guy here? We have to prepare for him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm guessing he was being sarcastic. But, yeah, it's just it's crazy when you go through it. I can't wait. I I, I got some catching up to do. I got to get to this one. Oh, Paul, you're going to love it. It's things, it's by uh, uh, Jason, I think, Jenks and, and uh, Mike Sando. It's all with anonymous quotes, except DJ Chark, who left there and went to Detroit. He uses his name, and uh, and he's not shy about telling those stories. But I, I tell you, I've never seen a situation like that with such a great college coach. 
the Houston Oilers back in 71 and two, they hired rice coach, Bill Peterson, who came from Florida state and Bud Adams gave him a lifetime contract and they were the worst team in the league. And he is still remembered around here for having the worst teams in the NFL, but also doing things when he would bring the team together. All right, guys, kneel around me. We're going to say the Lord's prayer. Now lay me down to sleep. Or when he would lecture them that they needed more discipline, that they were going to stand on the sidelines with their helmet. No, they're going to stand on their helmets with a sideline under their arms. And he was the master of the malaprop, and he was trying to motivate them. And I've never seen a bigger buffoon, and the lifetime contract had lasted one and a half years. And the things he did, you can understand, because he was a nincompoop. But with Urban Meyer, I'm just baffled at how he did what he did, considering what he didn't know and the way he acted with the Chargers. You're wondering, how stupid does the owner, Shad Khan, feel when he sees these stories? Amazing. John, is there a chance, just a chance, that San Francisco says, you know what, Jimmy G can stay for another season? Jimmy G can stay. You know, he's coming off surgery on his throwing shoulder. That's scary. I could see them hanging on to him, going ahead and playing Lance. When you make a deal like Kyle Shanahan did, you don't want to delay a young quarterback like that for three years. And wait and see till Garoppolo is 100% and see what quarterbacks get hurt before the trading deadline. And then if they're in contention, which more of them, should be in contention, then you trade him before uh, the first week of November. Well, my question with Jimmy G, John, is who is there a team out there that he elevates, right? That if they're a Jimmy G away from doing something a little bit better than they did a year ago, or is he simply another one of these guys, a Marcus Mariota, for instance, that could be a really good placeholder for a team for a year or two? I think that's exactly right, Chadillac, a placeholder. If he went to Carolina, does he elevate them into anything except maybe one rung higher in the NFC South? I mean, he's better than Sam uh, Darnold, he, you know, a year ago, but I'm not sure yeah. that he's going to elevate but, them that much. Yeah, but they're still not going anywhere, and they're not going to trade him to Seattle. We know that. And so who else is there? That's why I think that he should wait till somebody gets hurt and then pull the trigger. John, as we uh, finish things off uh, for today's visit, your thoughts on on John Clayton, who passed away this past weekend at the age of 67, uh, longtime NFL reporter, um, and you know we all remember him from the ESPN commercial. If you haven't seen John in a while, you know Clayton from the ESPN commercial. Mom, I'm done with my segment. Um, beyond that, what a great guy. We mentioned yesterday he was always generous with his time. Uh, his delivery on NFL news and notes was was perfect for the 30-second soundbite on TV as he came over as a writer. Your thoughts on a, a longtime uh, NFL reporter who you certainly knew well. I met John in the late 70s when he was covering the Steelers for the defunct Pittsburgh Press before he went to Tacoma and covered the Seahawks and then to ESPN. And uh, one of the things I liked about John, he had a great personality. And people didn't see it. He and his wife, Pat, were at every NFL event. And then Pat got really ill, the multiple sclerosis. And so he spent years taking care of Pat. And then from what I understand, 
he needed to go to the doctor. He wouldn't do it. He had pain, but he kept thinking it would go away. And by the time he went, it was too late. And I, I like to tell this story as an example of the kind of respect Clayton had at a league meeting years ago. Uh, Al Davis was talking to a couple other owners, and most media people wouldn't approach Al unless they knew him from the old AFL days. Uh, guys like uh, Will McDonough of the Boston Globe, Larry Felser, Buffalo News, because they were there at the inception of the AFL. So I watched Al over there talking to a couple other owners, and John Klainup came in the room, walked straight across the room, walked up to Al, couldn't hear what they were saying. Al ended his conversation put his arm around John, and they walked down the hall together. And I thought that is the ultimate respect. For sure. Uh, RIP to the late, great John Clayton. For sure. John, thank you as always. We love having you on. We'll catch up next week. Jonathan, Paul, Chadillac, thank you guys very much as always. I hope you have a great rest of the week. You too. John Thanks, McClain John. there. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Coming up. Chipper Jones does not agree with the way that Freddie Freeman left the Braves. Shocker. We'll discuss next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Chipper Jones does not agree with how Freddie Freeman left the Braves. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. If you think about it, the Braves and how they handled their longtime star and how the Falcons have just handled their longtime star are exact opposite. The Falcons recruited yeah. another one and told him about it. Meanwhile, the Braves did everything they could to keep Freddie Freeman, at least that's how I view it. It's been a bad couple of weeks for Atlanta. And yeah, it has. And and meanwhile, the Braves end up having to move on because well, hold they hold on, hold they, on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Paul is saying it's been a bad couple of weeks. Well, this is bad for the Braves? Weren't you the one saying you'd rather have Matt Olson? I, I than would Freddie rather, Freeman? I would rather have Matt Olson, but if I'm a Braves fan, I'm connected to Freddie Freeman. Oh, there's definitely he, the emotional. He, de- he delivered the, the yeah. championship. I am too. I'm a Braves fan. I'd, I'd rather have Freddie Freeman for sentimental reasons. But I think Matt Olson's probably a better player and certainly has better upside long term as a younger player. Freddie Freeman took less money to go to the Dodgers in the end. And this is exa- yeah, Freddie Freeman, the market was weird. He got that sixth year, yo. He got that sixth year. Sixth year, but I mean, he was going to make a lot more in five years with the offer from the Braves at the All-Star break of a year ago. Yeah, he misread the market. Here is what Chipper Jones said. This is a direct quote. He was on 680 The Fan in Atlanta, great sports radio station down in Atlanta. I do not agree with the way this was handled on Freddie's side. If you want to play in Atlanta, you play in Atlanta. You maybe take a little less to be happy and play in a place that is comfortable for you. The second that Freddie told me that he rejected five years, $135 million after the All-Star break, I told him, you were playing a very dangerous game. You go out on the free agent market. You get courted by all the pretty girls that are on the block. Chances are you're not going to come back. If you take your time waiting on that sixth year into January, the Braves and Alex have a job to do. And what Alex Anthopoulos did was traded for Matt Olson without really giving Freddie Freeman a chance to come back and say, "I'll, I'll take five years. 
Uh, he, he did his job as cold as it may be. Uh, I don't love it. You know, I'd rather have Freddie Freeman, but man, Matt Olson, there's not a better substitute for Freddie Freeman than what they did to go get Matt Olson. He's so I'm very happy with that. He's also five years younger. They've got Matt Olson now locked up from 27 to 35. The deal for Freeman would have had him from age 32 to 37. Oh, that's better. Um, so I, I wish Freeman would have gone to the Yankees or the Red Sox were the other two teams that were in the mix instead of the Dodgers who, let's face it, if the Braves have the season they're supposed to and the Dodgers do, they're going to meet up again in the playoffs and that's going to be who the Braves have to beat uh, to win another World Series. But it's a cold business. But I also agree with Chipper Jones because I'm sure Freddie Freeman's telling him, oh, I want to be a lifelong Brave. I love it here. I want to stay here. So the smart advice from Chipper was they're offering you a good contract with a lot of money. Take it. If you really want to be here, go ahead and take it because if it goes to free agency, you're gone. Here's the thing that sucks from – and look, I understand it's funny coming from me, but Dodgers – and nobody ever gives the Dodgers grief about it is what bothers me as a Yankee fan. Yankees sign anybody and they get hell from everybody. Dodgers just add and add and add, it seems like. I mean, where the hell do they oh, I, have the money for I, Freddie Freeman? I hate the Dodgers for that. I mean, you know, that's, they're, they're the How team now that does that. How they Freddie Freeman? They, they spend more than anyone, uh-huh. right? Well, it's yes. not, even, not even just Freddie Freeman. I mean, look at their lineup. Their lineup is in some order. Uh, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Will Smith, Max Muncie, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, and A.J. Pollock. Hey, Mookie Betts they was at the – They have four former MVPs on their roster. Mookie Betts was at the Suns-Lakers game we went to. Nice. Who? Uh, he, said, he said Mookie Betts, Mookie. but it's Mookie Betts. Okay, all yeah. right. M- just Mookie. checking. It's, that's Same Paul's thing. accent. That was a completely yeah. different thing. Yeah. His name's not Mookie. <laughs> you know who else was there? Uh, Kaepernick. There was a, oh, they, they showed Kaepernick and Betts. Uh, together, I don't think they were sitting together, but they were visiting, um, and they showed them on TV. So Teresa sent us a picture. There was more that happened at this game that was told on TV that Teresa texted us at the game. What'd you end up paying for tickets? Uh, well, we went we went with Chad's strategy, so we went down to two seats, which is a lot easier to get than three seats. Yeah, and we paid like two forty eight, third row, upper deck in a in an end zone, which was not bad. Two forty eight a piece. Yeah. Man, two forty eight each. Yeah, that is pricey. Wow. for th- upper deck. Yeah, but upper deck. Third oh, row upper deck seats. was not bad. I mean, no, it wasn't bad. bad. Your seats were fine. Seats that was nice of Teresa too to take one for the team. That was yeah, definitely she was your totally best bet. Into it. But she texted us like, and we missed the assist. Uh, LeBron's second assist was his ten thousandth assist, and that made him the first player in history to have thirty thousand points and ten thousand assists. Of course, there was no mention of this in the visiting arena, right? At all. But we were at a historic game. You, you saw he the best team. He took more yeah, you fall saw, yeah. away threes early, and it just seems such a like oh, a lazy a, um, thing. I forgot to send it to you, Paul. Effortless from that game. There was like a four minute clip that people didn't. It was LeBron loafing over the course of like four minutes of the game, and I mean it was two fadeaway threes. Yeah, he walked back on defense once. He didn't even reach for a ball that was passed to him that he probably could have caught. There was another time where he just like started jogging down to the other end when a guy dro- drove past him. Yeah, I mean it's just this high low light reel of LeBron James coasting. I think the Suns when I, they got down by a lot. I think the Suns scored forty six in the first quarter, which was a record against the Lakers. And who's the uh, who's the kid that went to Murray State that's on on the Suns? Um, oh, Mike. Uh, no, I know who you're talking about. He comes off the bench. 
Simon oh. fell in love with him. I'll, uh, it's, 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 and left with the, it's not John Moran. <laughs> That's Cameron the big Payne. That, Payne. Thank you, Cameron Payne. Fell yeah. in love with Cameron Payne. Was a great shooter. Still is a great and shooter. And he's getting a lot of time, uh, extra time now with uh, Chris Paul on the bench. And Chris Paul was on the bench in street clothes. So we saw LeBron go over and talk to Chris Paul before inbounding after a timeout. $248 for upper deck seat, though. That, that's the power that's of, a lot of money. huge right now. That's the I power mean, of LeBron and the Lakers. The Lakers. Coming to town. Lake but Joe. I think the Suns doing quite well now are, oh. are packing the place. If you would have had, anyway. had a game against the Charlotte Hornets when you were there, I bet you would have gotten in that building for $48 a piece in the upper deck. Maybe. Probably I, about $200 cool for, up. I mean, it, it was biting a bullet, but we could both say, especially Simon could say he saw LeBron. And Simon is great to go to a game with. He, get, uh, he won't watch a game on TV, but you take him to something. Gets into it. All That's in, awesome. cheering, pointing out stuff that I don't notice, asking questions, all about it. The, the Suns, for those that are like me, uh, who the NBA season will start in about three weeks when the postseason Suns begins. Are terrific. The Suns are 11 games better. They're in first place in the West. They're 11 games better than the first, first place team in the East. Yeah. They're, that, they're that much this, better. They've than been the without Chris Paul for some time. They're going to get him back, and they're loaded. The NBA season begins in three Devin weeks, Booker's, Devin Booker's tremendous. Get the playoffs just around the corner. It's time. Yeah, it's Let time me give for you I'll preview. I'll preview the whole thing for you. I saw a, <laughs> I saw a game. Hunter and I are going to be watching a lot of TNT shows uh, during the playoffs. That's about it. College hoops discussion when we return. Plus, the balls are out, and the 16 teams that are in, Chad's going to rank them for us. One through 16. Next.